Heart disease remains our nation's number one killer, and high cholesterol remains a significant risk factor. Welcome to the GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith, and today's topic, controlling cholesterol to prevent heart disease. My guest is Dr. William Borden. Dr. Borden is Associate Professor of Medicine and Health Policy at the George Washington University, and he's also the Chief Quality and Population Health Officer at the GW Medical Faculty Associates. Dr. Borden, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Mike. Glad to be here. So I think a lot of my listeners are probably familiar with cholesterol, and they've also heard of some of the other major risk factors that we talk about, obesity, high blood pressure, smoking, diabetes. But when you look at that collection of risk factors, where does cholesterol really fit in? Is it, is it one of those major risk factors? What do you think? That's a great question, and it, it is really one of the main risk factors, and, and importantly, it's one of the main risk factors that you know we can change uh, to reduce the risk of heart disease. Um, you know, clearly, as you mentioned, things like quitting smoking, um, losing weight, controlling blood pressure are critically important. Um, but a, a study that looked at um, reductions in heart disease deaths deaths over about 20 years found that um, probably the, the biggest impact uh, on prevention in the U.S. population was around reducing cholesterol levels. Mm, very good. Well, let me ask you, as, as an expert in this field, Dr. Borden, what, you know, we've spent a lot of money in research and medications, and I know that there's been a lot of education of the public about heart disease risk factors. And, and I know for at least three decades, we've been treating um, cholesterol, you know, we've been encouraging people to lose weight, uh, controlling blood pressure. Why, why does it still remain such a, such a killer in this country? Are we missing something? Well, you know, there's certainly more that we need to understand in terms of why cardiovascular disease remains such an issue. Um, you know, I think uh, some of it is, is that people are living longer. And as people live longer, there's more time for plaque wow. to build up in the arteries, which can lead to heart attacks and strokes. Um, the other factor is, of course, um, the diet, particularly in the U.S., which um, you know, remains uh, for many people high in saturated fats and, and simple sugars uh, and uh, low in, in vegetables and other more nutritious foods. Um, and then uh, even though we have seen a decrease in heart attack deaths over um, many years, um, there's a concern that that seems to be leveling off a bit. And the concern is, is that in the U.S., that's because of uh, increasing obesity and increasing diabetes across right. the country. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're onto something there with the the dietary habits, right? <laughs> of of our country. What do they call it? The standard American diet is sad. S A D. And uh, I think it was the USDA recently showed that even though people say they're eating healthier, that most people aren't getting enough basic vitamins and minerals from fruits and vegetables every day, right? So I think you're onto something there with the dietary habits. Let's let's do this uh Dr. Borden for this for this conversation. Let's first talk about how we can assess 
our risk of heart disease with cholesterol? What kind of tests are available? And then if it is high or, or it's getting close, what are the things we can do to prevent in terms of diet? And then, of course, we can talk then, uh, lastly about medication. So let's start with how. Do, what do I do? I know there's the basic cholesterol test. Is that still the standard thing to do? Are there other advanced tests that are available? What What is your take on that? So for the vast majority of people, it's just the simple cholesterol test and then knowing one's numbers. So knowing um, their blood pressure, their blood sugar, their body mass index, which is a a measure for diabetes, um, and then knowing things like one's family history. Um, With this information, we can plug this into a calculator, um, uh, which is called the atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease uh, calculator. And that tells us what uh, someone's risk is for a heart attack or stroke in the next 10 years. And so we can take those, those numbers, which are the assessment of someone's risk, plug it into that calculator and get a number. And then um, where we're able to go with that is that there are guidelines based on research which tell us that, um, for example, someone whose risk is greater than 7.5% would be indicated for being on cholesterol-lowering medicine, and someone whose risk is between 5 and 7.5% may be indicated, but um, that's really more of a discussion between that person and their doctor. So how often should this kind of evaluation be done? How often should somebody assess their cardiovascular risk, especially if someone, let's say they're healthy, the, you know, they, they go through this, they're in their mid-40s, let's say, they go through this testing, everything looks fine. Is this something they should do yearly still or every three years? What do you think? So, you know, it, it um, depends. Um, you know, I think that um, it depends on someone's uh, risk. But in general, getting a uh, lipid panel, a cholesterol screening about yearly, I think, makes the most sense for, for most people. Yeah. So let's say I go through this and and my doctor looks at all these different risk factors, looks at my cholesterol. Let's say everything's a little high. Maybe my risk is moderate. What? Let's talk about prevention now. What What are the first steps that I should do uh, in order to get control over this situation? And let's let's focus on diet first. What do you suggest? Sure. So, you know, diet, it's interesting. The research on diet, um, it's hard to get really good research studies in this, but um, the, the, some of the research that's out there seems to point at eating less saturated and trans fats, less simple sugars, and in general, I think trying to reduce um, those simple carbohydrates. Instead, people should really be focusing on having more vegetables, uh, some fruit, uh, whole grains, so things like brown rice instead of white rice, and then lean protein, um, particularly fish, but also things like turkey or chicken, baked or grilled, not fried. Yeah, yeah. And it, it sounds like, you know, when you when you talk about the, the, the fruits, the vegetables, the leafy greens, good lean protein that's a little smaller, that sounds a lot like a, a Mediterranean-based diet. Do you have any opinion on that particular type of diet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Mediterranean diet is probably one of the best studied diets that's out there. Um, You know, uh, there have been studies going back several years looking at this that basically follows that pattern. Um, You know, very low in saturated fats, some low-fat dairy, um, whole grains, lots of fruits and vegetables, usually cooking with olive oil, including nuts, which are high in protein, so help keep people uh, full, but then uh, also have 
some healthier fats within them. So the Mediterranean diet is a good one. And it's also one that I recommend because it generally fits in with people's lifestyles. It's the sort of thing, you know, you can cook at home with your family. You can even, you know, travel and eat out and sort of stick to that sort of diet. I do think it's worth mentioning that, you know, some of the plant-based diets um, and things like uh, the Ornish diet have also have research to support them being very effective in reducing um, cardiovascular events like heart attacks and also actually causing plaque to decrease in the arteries. Those tend to be a little bit more challenging to follow as people you know, are going about their, right. their daily lives. Um, that being said, for the right person who's highly motivated, I think those sort of diets can be really effective. Right. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw some research before showing uh, or demonstrating that about 80% plant-based, 20% protein seems to be a good ratio for reducing heart disease risk. But, but you know, a lot of people hear this, Dr. Borden, and they've heard about the Mediterranean diet. Is there, but if I start doing that, let's say, or let's say you suggest that to a person at moderate risk, what kind of lowering of cholesterol on those diets can they expect? And and I get that that might be hard to answer because everybody's a little different, but are there any studies that, that show us some numbers, some reduction of cholesterol? Yeah, there are some um, studies that look at that. In general, you know, it depends on the person and how much of their cholesterol is being driven by, say, their genetics, what they inherited. You know, certainly if you've got, you know, uh, someone who's eaten cheeseburgers every day for lunch, you know, if they change their diet, they're going to see a substantial decrease in their LDL, that sort of bad cholesterol. The other area where we can see improvements is in another form of the bad cholesterol called triglycerides. Um, and triglycerides are very responsive to cutting back on carbohydrates, particularly simple carbohydrates, and on cutting back on things like alcohol. Um, so those can impact uh, the triglycerides quite a bit. The LDL, bad cholesterol, uh, a little bit more difficult to move um, with uh, uh, you know, diet changes and less uh, at baseline, this uh, someone is really eating a very high saturated fat diet. Right, right. And 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 to be to be honest too, right? If somebody is following that kind of diet and they lose some weight, you know, uh, maybe they feel better. They're becoming more active. You know, maybe using less salt and and and, and so triglycerides are down a little bit. Sugars down a little bit. Even if the LDL doesn't budge too much, overall their picture is improving. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are studies, and you mentioned some of the studies that are looking at the Mediterranean diet and showing uh, reductions in cardiovascular events. And there are other benefits to that sort of approach in losing weight, and that reduces the risk for diabetes, um, can bring people who are in, say, pre-diabetes out of pre-diabetes back to normal, can help lower blood pressure. Um, so there are a lot of benefits um, in addition to what benefits we might see in the actual cholesterol numbers, right? So, so what? So now walk us through the process. If somebody is is working on their diet, uh, but you know their LDL is still too high, and the decision is made that medication has to be started. Walk us through a little bit of that process and how you know which medications, um, how they're going to be followed, and, and what the what the goals are once you're on medication. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I always talk with my patients first and foremost about diet, as we've just discussed, as well as exercise, which is a, a key component. And for that, I recommend 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic exercise, which can be a brisk walk. Um, and doing that for uh, 30 minutes five times a week or 50 minutes three times a week, and obviously smoking cessation, and then stress reduction, I think, is an important part of the lifestyle changes that we can all make. Uh, sometimes easier said than done, but, uh, you know, important for all of us. <laughs> but for for many people, when you calculate their risk, um, that it puts them in the category where the evidence-based guidelines would say um, someone should uh, start on a cholesterol-lowering medicine. And the cholesterol-lowering medicines that far and away have the most support behind them are what are called statins. Um, so these are things like atorvastatin or simvastatin. And um, the decision to start this is really always a, a discussion with the patient and their um, physician. So, um, you know, having it talking about what are the potential benefits from, from starting on a statin, what are the risks, and what are those patients' preferences and in consideration of other medications and other conditions that that individual might have. Um, and then if the decision is made to start on a statin, is to follow up and see the response to the statin and um, in continuing along with that in addition to the lifestyle changes. The other comment I would just make is that, you know, I think that there's a lot out there about statins and the internet and, and um, complications from statins. And you know, the reality is that they are one of the best studied uh, medications that we have in, in many, many large research studies. And we understand them and their risks pretty well. Um, you know, there are some uh, rarer complications, but the main thing that people can get are some muscle aches, which really only happens in about 1 in 10 to 1 in 20 people. Generally, it's mild and it can be managed. And, uh, you know, it's important uh, to understand the information about statins and have that conversation uh, with your uh, physician to understand that because there's tremendous benefit to the statins. And I, I think sometimes right. people might get scared away from statins when they might actually benefit from them. Right, right. I think that's an important point. Um, you know, it's, it's as physicians, we're always looking at the, the benefit to risk ratio in a sense, right? And 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 for mm -hmm. for most people, the benefit of the statin far outweighs any of those risks. The benefit to reduction in cardiovascular risk far outweighs any of, of those side effects for most people. And I think you would agree with that, correct? Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, what a great conversation about managing cholesterol, Dr. Borden. How about if we do this? Let's end with having you just kind of summarize. What would you like the audience to know about cholesterol and the prevention of heart disease? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the key takeaway is um, one is to understand your risk by understanding your, um, your cholesterol numbers, your blood pressure, um, an assessment of your body weight, uh, whether you smoke, understand your family history, because that's the first step is we all have to know what our risk is for uh, cardiovascular disease. Number two is working on those lifestyle modifications that we talked about with diet, exercise, smoking, cessation, stress reduction. And then number three is that because cholesterol plays such a role in uh, uh, the risk for heart attacks and strokes, 
is having that conversation with your doctor about whether, uh, based on your risk, uh, you would, uh, it would make sense for you to be on a statin to reduce that risk. Um, and then working with your physician on an ongoing basis to um, try and maintain those lifestyle changes and continuing to monitor your progress. Dr. Borden, that was an excellent summary. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing at George Washington University and also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. For more information, go to gwdocs.com. That's gwdocs.com. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.